I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hello and welcome to the That Final Scene podcast. My name is Sophie and I'm behind the mic with my two co-hosts, Ben and Simon. Yo, yo. Hello. 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 Today we are back with our regular programming and yeah, this is an exciting episode. It's our one year anniversary app. Made a, a year of listening to that jingle. <laughs> needs an upgrade. You think oh, I so? love it. I don't think it needs I an do. upgrade. I think it's good. I think the one thing it's lacking is a Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire hit of uh, like, hello. Yeah, <laughs> we could end it with a hello. Smoking, yeah. whatever that line is. Speaking yeah. of Miss Doubtfire. People have been loving the fact that you've been bringing this uh, movie up every three episodes or so. It's very special. Yeah. Very, very special. <laughs> Maybe year two will I be think the it's year. a five star. It'll be the year that Certainly we finally review it, yeah. Yeah. Final scene. Mm. I don't remember it, but I'm happy to rewatch the film to do so. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch it for Brosnan alone. Yeah. I mean, um, magnificently. Do it, Dunmire. Magnificently hairy chest. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, lots to... Sounds more like a thick soup. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> say that again. Sounds more like a thick soup. <laughs> that's, what Mrs. that's what Mrs. Doubtfire says about Stuart Dunmire. My, so my favorite line of the film, I think, is obviously there's, there's so many great ones, is when she says her husband was killed by the drink. It's like, oh my God, is he not? God is like, no, he was run over by a Guinness truck. It's, like, it's one of the best lines in the film. The delivery is amazing. But then when you yeah. analyse those scenes, you're like, that is her husband dressed up as a woman, <laughs> yeah. operating as a nanny under her nose in their family Everything house. Everything about it is so creepy and wrong, <laughs> like, yeah. But so it works somehow. Creepy and wrong and smart. Yeah. Like, like lots of films in the 90s, yeah. Mm. Right. Creepy and wrong, but smart at the same time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, have you seen any 90s films uh, this past week? Yes. Oh, I was going to... I've been quite ill. <laughs> okay. I've been Sorry. indulging yeah. and I watched Heat. Oh, oh. What treat. a mega what treat. A fucking film. Mega so treat. Good. And this is one of the films lo- I know you love the soundtrack. Yes. Yeah. And I had to look up who it is. It's Elliot Goldenthal. Might not be Ooh. saying that right, but um, excellent. Like really, I love the synthy movement behind all of the shots it just mm. kind of feels like a really timeless trendy like you I, like i really want to live in vincent's apartment even though it's like got an ikea kitchen and it looks it's yeah. probably quite it's a bit dated now it still kind of holds up yeah yeah um it earns its duration mm. i would say one of those films that it it feels like it earns that i don't think it's over, is it over it's two hours, over three hours, maybe three hours, seven minutes. I mean, if oh, it, I don't think it's three, but I, it's close to yeah, it. I think yeah. it's two fifty. Yeah, two fifty must be something like that. Which I, is good. Yeah, action action movies and movies like Heat can carry that. I think, especially when mm. like when you, it's an action movie is good because you can always interject with like quite a long action sequence that if they're like choreographed well, yeah, and they flow can take up quite a lot of time. That's what like John yeah. Wick Four is like over two and a half hours long, but it's lots of like really nicely curated action set pieces that actually when you break them down go on for quite a long while so then you mm. don't really feel like the movie kind of happens in like five chunks but you don't f- that means you don't feel it as like two, like a whole yeah. massive thing because the I had it really cranked up loud and then the scene the, the bank heist scene which where there's the gunfight spills out into the road mm. and it's it's all is it it's LA isn't it it kind of looks like San Diego though I don't know if it is but it's like all concrete buildings and the ricocheting of the bullets is just so intense. Mm-hmm. 
like all in that scene you can hear is just this these smashing like bullet sounds incredible and then you get that real light and shade in that film where then you drop in on a character story and suddenly it's about um the daughter the stepdaughter or it's about mm. vincent's wife or it's about the sort of the family stuff going on and i really like that and it helps build like empathy with the characters because in the end i ended up empathizing with with neil as well as vincent and that's pretty cool and then you just have that incredible scene of the two of them sitting face to face in the restaurant, which you could just watch on loop. Like yeah. a clockwork orange, you know, my eyes peeled open just watching it. I was reading some reviews on Letterboxd, because I love reading what other people think yeah. about films. And uh, someone made this really good comment about De Niro, that he's very good at calibrating his facial movements for the camera. And it's true. <laughs> and that's what makes him so endlessly interesting to watch. So Even in a comedy film like Meet the Parents, the faces he pulls are mad. Yeah. And then it, he, he does it to a lesser extent in Heat, but it's delicious to watch. He's very expressive. Right? Mm. Yeah. Well, I feel like it, we should do Heat. Oh my God, yeah. Year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's also, one, of, one of the most exquisite baddie death scenes when Wayne Gross gets. What, are spoiler? We not, are we not allowed to spoil it? Well, I it's think... a spoiler podcast. <laughs> Come on. Okay, oh, just... ben, ben can edit this out this week. I was, oh, no, it's going to say like spoiler for oh, okay. whoever hasn't seen for whatever but wait, reason. Wait, when, when, you, when you say spoiler, do you think people are suddenly like fumbling for the mute button? Uh, <laughs> or, like throwing their they earphones, their on, their the earphones they on the can, floor? They can fast forward. They can okay. fast forward. <laughs> Stamping yeah. on their AirPods. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, the, it, no, go for it. It's an excellent, not, yeah. excellent. Because in this, in this film, there are like layers of bad people. Oh, yeah. And there are some bad people that you kind of go, oh, but he's kind of like doing bad things. He doesn't really want to do them. And then Neil wants to escape to Fiji with a girl. That's that's like, I'll let that slide, mm. even though there's a huge amount of murdering going on. <laughs> but then there's a really bad guy. There's a really bad guy. And you're like, I want him to die immediately. <laughs> and uh, it happens and it's excellent. Isn't oh. there talk of like a heat too? Isn't that? Isn't there talk really? of a sequel? Like, reheated. Yeah. Microwave. Microwaves. Yeah. I feel I like there's a talk of a second heat. Yeah. Oh, okay. With the, sa- what, with the same. I don't know. I know. I can't. I, I, mean, I, I think. I think. Now maybe I'm completely getting this wrong. I think originally it had been a sequel that was going to focus, or maybe a prequel that would focus on Val Kilmer's character, but obviously mm. Val Kilmer, because he escapes, doesn't he? Yeah. Basically, at the end, he yeah. there's a really clever scene where he manages to circumvent the yeah place. i think there was going to be a sequel that was based around him but obviously val kilmer is would be probably right. too ill to do that now mm. what, what's you the last um yeah what's the last film of michael mann i'm just trying to remember didn't he do that ambulance did he just do that ambulance film with no no that's is that my, no, that's michael that, bay that's, <laughs> don't do you know what i've got don't mixing, I've got michael. mixing up my michaels <laughs> so mixing sorry. up my legends <laughs> Yeah, Transformers. Uh, no, that was. I actually, well. I thought Michael. I had a look at his filmography, and I thought he'd done way more films that I knew She's about. He's very selective. I know Collateral. Yeah, Collateral's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, and then I didn't really know any much of the others. I think I've seen one or two of the others, but no, I thought I'd know loads, but I don't. Yeah, you're right. He's done. Yeah, these are the most popular ones, but mm. I don't think he's a very active director. I think he's he's just looking for the right opportunity and he'll yeah. do mm. that. But and then. Just quickly, the other one I watched, which was on your recommendation, Ben, was Icarus, the documentary. What did you think? Team Gregory. Like, uh, what a lovable dude. Like, and what what an unusual documentary. It starts off, I was like, this is very run-of-the-mill, you know, yeah. supersize me, whatever. Then suddenly, like, what, a quarter of the really? way in, it just takes this bonkers left turn and then you're just like in this whole world that's of what like, I was saying. I no one knows what's going to happen. That's what's, that's what's so good about it, is yeah. that it... It doesn't feel like it's going... It feels like it's going in like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a bit like doping and stuff like that, blah, 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 blah. 
and then it turns into like a spy movie. It's yeah. fantastic. Brilliant. And then uh, and then you were like, que- I was questioning like, what is Gregory's motives? Like he's literally screwing, screwing himself over by exposing his uh, laboratory like this. Mm. And then you realize that he doesn't like doing it either. He's only ordered to do it. So therefore, yeah, yeah so it just gets deeper and deeper into the kind of Russian it's so good. propaganda machine. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can tell. I I agree with Ben. You should all watch it. Yeah, I'm glad you it's enjoyed brilliant. it. It's brilliant. I was chatting to my friend. Like, I was in I was in Ireland over the weekend, and I was chatting to my friend Dara, who listens. I hope he's listening. Hello, he listens yeah. in the car. <laughs> oh, hello. And yeah, he was saying he's like, oh, I, Icarus, do, do a rewatch. Or maybe mm. he hasn't watched that, and I, he was like, oh, I really liked. Have you seen it? So it. Yeah, yeah. You, I it did recently. you agree? Yeah, yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it too. It doesn't yeah. feel like a documentary. That's what I love yeah. about it. Mm. It doesn't like it, it. Obviously, it starts off with the premise of a documentary, and then it kind of feels like almost a drama like a yeah it's mm-hmm. oh, it's so good i also like the uh characters of the dogs in that film because they become quite important because in the first conversation on like skype between the journalist and gregory gregory like connects with him because there's like a dog in the background and mm. then they but you know and then, then he comes to la and then he meets his dog in real life and stuff and it's quite nice yeah, it, make, it kind of humanizes him a bit more. Yeah. Mm. As, rather than this crazy Russian scientist type vibe. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. such a brilliant film. Ben? I haven't, haven't been watching that much. I've been watching a lot of TV. I, well, I have watched two. There's two films that I realized I hadn't talked about the last time we recorded. Mm-hmm. One of which was um, Zootopia or Zootropolis, <laughs> depending on, depending on game where you were. It's a children's movie. How it's, come? it's like a kid's movie. Because I just think it's a, I just think it's a perfect animated movie. I think okay. it's brilliant. Never I think it's it. so good. Wow, it's fantastic. Sounds yeah. like Roller Coaster Manager Four. <laughs> yeah, similar but with animals. Right, it's like it's set in it's set in a world where Walking Simulator. Yeah, it's set in a world where just all animals can. Oh, it's animal. There's no humans and animals can talk, and they have like a civilization and all that kind of stuff. And it's a great film. It's so good. It's just like so wholesome and so fun to watch, and like really fucking funny. Like even as, as an adult, like Madagascar esque. Yeah, yeah, and actually really similar kind of animation style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and it's like, um, what's the guy from Arrest Development? Jason Bateman? Is that mm-hmm. his name? Jason Bateman, yeah, is like one of the leads in it. And loads oh, of different people him. are in it. Like Idris Elba's in it as well, which I didn't realize. And um, yeah, it's just a great film. And then the other thing I watch, which I... I this is where I think Sophie's going to disagree with me. <laughs> the hot <coughs> I, take. A hot well, take it's not a hot take. I don't, th- I don't think it is. Oh, You're okay. going to diss jeff goldblum <laughs> no i'd never diss goldblum no 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 no. i'm gonna diss bob odenkirk um i watched nobody mm. i thought it was crap i thought it was dreadful oh no i oh. actually thought oh. it was such a pointless film i i could not believe how many people enjoyed it i was watching it i was like this film is so all over the fucking shop like it it like it plunks you in and just expects you to know what's going on and give a shit about why bob odenkirk is mad and has a man who talks through and through a fucking walkie-talkie in the wall that that's obviously a big generalization about what it is but kind of feels like what it is and yeah i just i i i thought it was so i didn't care about him i didn't care about his relationship with his family i just i did not fucking care i almost was like yeah i kind of hope he gets his head blown off by the russian mafia because this is fucking stupid this is so pointless he like the whole premise of the film comes from he beats the shit out of a load of guys in the boat on a bus who turns out of the russian mafia and it's like, oh, okay. At least in Taken, his daughter gets kidnapped and he has some reason to go after them. This is just Bob Odenkirk kicks the shit out of some people on a bus. Like, he's the bad guy. Like, why did he do... Like, obviously the Russian Mafia, I understand. But I just... There was nothing about it that endeared me to him as a character and made me think, 
yeah, I'd wa- like never at any point because I know there's talks of it. Never at any point did I think I can't wait for the fucking sequel. I just didn't care. I, just I didn't care. Yeah, I don't think it was intended to be a franchise. I, I. I can see what you say. I have a feeling that we are supposed to think of him as a loser and an asshole that we don't care about because it almost feels like he represents toxic masculinity, right? Mm. Because the premise of the film is that isn't there like a, some sort of invasion, a home invasion at his home? Like there's a home invasion. Yeah, he gets he, he robbed. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he can't defend himself and his family. Yeah. And then he's like, he internalizes that, the defeat in a yeah, way. Yeah, something is stolen that, and then he goes to get it back. Yeah, and I think that's... But that's not even the premise of the fucking film. The premise of the film then starts 30 minutes into the film. I feel like... I, I saw him as, like, representing that, the fact that he got so hurt by what happened because the man is supposed to be able to defend yeah. his family. And, it, like, him is supposed to be, like, stupid and dumb. And what you're saying, like, those feelings that you're having are very valid, as in, like, he's supposed to be mm. so dumb and be doing the sorts of dumb things. All just to clear his, to just refine his self-esteem. Like I feel like yeah. it's very ironic, basically, which is why I feel like the movie is called Nobody. Um, so I didn't see it as a John Wick knockoff. I saw it more as an ironic, like take on toxic masculinity. But maybe that's just me overthinking it. <coughs> you didn't enjoy the action, like the action no. sequence. Okay. No. Even, I thought okay. I thought I thought the action sequences were like really. I get that it was the point, but like really labored, but not in the way that in John Wick there's an element of that as well, but a little bit of. I don't know. Yeah. Just okay. I I. Like I re- really appreciate like movies that like put a lot of time into like action choreography and stuff, and right. I just thought it it just looked off i don't know okay. even yeah there was no even the action stuff and it just didn't get like the bit at the end where they're fucking shooting up the warehouse <laughs> jesus christ it was so rubbish it was so rubbish out of nowhere christopher lloyd just shows up with a shotgun and starts blowing people away why the fuck is doc doing this hop back in the delorean my god it was just yeah it was pointless. I was, I, it was what, one of those, the old man from Doctor Who. Yeah, not from. from, from sorry, from Back to the Future. From Back to the Future. Yeah, he's still alive. He's still an old man. Christopher Lloyd has been an old man since the eighties, and he's still an old man. He's sorry. like he's been an old man for forty years. I know. How is he still? I doing know. That? Yeah, he's like. Oh, well, obviously he's dead now, but like Christopher Lee, who felt like he was I, an old man for I, forever. Doctor Who, my on my mind because uh, I watched a Benedict Cumberbatch film, The Imitation Game. Oh, and nice. someone's written in a review in Letterbox. I kept waiting to hit for him to say elementary, my dear Watson, <laughs> <laughs> which I kind of agree with. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, nice. And yeah, the yeah. other thing I started, I started watching last night, actually, and I think it's brilliant. And if you haven't watched it, please go and watch it. It's just gone onto Netflix. It's Catastrophe. Oh, yeah. It's the Sharon Horgan series because she, she won Bad Sisters won a couple of BAFTAs last night. And that had gone on Netflix and I've been meaning to watch it. And we watched the first two or three episodes. That's with Rob, uh, Rob Delaney. Early, yeah. It's so funny. How many episodes are there? So there's four seasons, but it's like, it's a channel four show. So I think it's like six or seven episodes a season. It's not US 20 episodes. Um, it's not Murder yeah. One slash The Sopranos. No, exactly. It's, yeah, it was it's supposed to be great. Four. Yeah, I've and heard yeah, really good things. I only watched the first two episodes, but it's bloody hilarious. So nice. would recommend it if you need a laugh. Awesome. Cool. What about you, Sophie? Uh, speaking of laughs that I didn't have, uh, I saw You People. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. That? You People with Donna Hill and Eddie Murphy, that Netflix oh film that came God. out. Ooh. Yeah. What's, what's Eddie the up to these days? Is it, is it modern? He's, 
What? Is it new? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out this year. Um, it's not funny. Oh, Eddie. I don't know why he's back. Like, I love him. But, like, if you are to come back, then don't come back with don't uh, come back coming with from... Hill. Yeah, ca- coming to America too. Like, don't come back with those films, please. He actually he was fine in You People, but it, the film wasn't funny. It's like a very basic, you know, white guy meets black girl, and the parents get to meet, and things go wrong. It's like meet the parents, but like it already sounds dated. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's like Julia, uh, Julia Dreyfus. Yeah, Julie Louis. Louis Dreyfus. Dreyfus yeah. yeah, Jonah Hill's mom and Eddie Murphy is the um, the woman is the girl's uh, father, and obviously they have like. The usual dated meet the parents kind of scenes. It's mm. like yeah, and then and have, hilarity ensues. Yeah, exactly. Like so, I didn't find that funny. Hilarious and heartwarming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, five stars. <laughs> five stars. That said, I did see Air. Oh yeah, Air yeah, the, with the Ben Nike Affleck, movie. Matt Damon. Uh, Jason Bateman. There we go. Oh my god, I love Jason Bateman. I feel like he's a live warm hug. Like you know when you see him, mm. you're like you can feel it. Like he's so familiar. Like when you see him on the big screen, it's like oh, I feel so much better just because you're on the screen right now. He's a, uh, he's a safe pair of hands. Yeah, he's a safety net. Yeah, exactly. That's the word. Mm. Is he your Glendon Breeson? No, Glendon Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> Glendon <laughs> Glendon Brendan Gleeson. You knew who I meant. <laughs> Oh, God, there's a sound by Glendon Breeson. <laughs> yes, Sorry. he is my Glendon Breeson. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then. Oh, okay, my Bason Jateman. <laughs> Your Bason Jateman, yeah. <laughs> that, it was really good. Basic Jateman. It, it was really mm. good, you guys. Like, you should watch it. Uh, very, like, it's it's a biopic, you know. It's the true story of how Nike you landed. You saying biopic properly. You used to say biopic. Okay, I don't even know. You changed like, it. Okay. I don't know. I don't know which is the right way to After say it. After a year of doing this podcast. Right, so I got it right. Yeah, I'm, d- I, like, I'm turning into a British man. Uh, yeah, Nike landed uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. And Violet Davis is incredible as Jordan's I've mom. I've heard she steals the show on it. Oh, yeah. she's so good. So yeah, you can find it on Prime, surprisingly. I didn't expect for it to land on like, Prime. Paid for? Or no, no. Like, oh, it, shit, part of the subscription. It, okay. Yeah, it dropped on Prime. I was so nice. surprised. Yeah. Because it was only in theatres, like, what, last yeah, month, two months ago? Yeah, that's weird. I wonder, is it Prime UK thing? I don't know. Maybe. I Prime buried that one. Like, I've, I haven't mm. seen any ads for Air on, the, on this uh, platform. And then very quickly, yeah, I just rewatched Children of Men because I just had to. I think Such it, a grim film, but my yeah. God, it's good. It's on my list. Uh, I think we brought it up recently, so I wanted to... We yeah. talked about it in the last yeah. episode, yeah. And yeah, just love it. I Last time I watched it, I was drunk and it was a bad idea because it was made Oh, really no. Upset. And I was, like, I was like coming down as well. Like at the end, I'd had a couple of drinks a few hours previous, yeah. so I was like really on a downer at that point. And then I watched... <laughs> it's, it's Is that like, Clive Owen? Yeah. Clive Owley and Cl- Clive Owley and Jesus, we're all doing Jesus, it today. Jesus, okay. Clive Owen, Julianne Moore, Michael Caine, Chiwetel Ejiofor. I mean, the cast Charlie is Hunnam unreal for some reason. Uh, Charlie Hunnam with dreads. <laughs> it's it's a grim film, but uh, the, now that I rewatched it, I think the message is very hopeful in the end. So, hmm. oh it, yeah, it's not yeah, it's not like Reckoning for a Dream vibes. No, like that. Well, I mean, well, does it compare to The Last of Us? That in no. my head, that's what I'm imagining. I've because I've seen a few episodes of The Last of Us now. I think it's much more political than that. Okay. Yeah, and it's 
I'm I'm glad it's not the same. No, enough, it's not. I oh, no no. I wouldn't say like the what's the really grip. My sister finds the the bone or something. But uh, about a ro- the road is it? The road. Oh, the road. My yeah. sister said it's the, the most grim film. The road she's ever is seen. the most depressing film you'll ever yeah. watch. It's it, the road is so so grim. Mm. Don't don't bother. It's like no. Oh. Do you know what? It's it's it it's a it's a good length. I think it's about ninety minutes. But you will just watch it and just go, oh, okay. Mm. You'll need to watch. You'll need to watch Zootopia afterwards because okay. you'll need to pick me up. Have it on the emergency panic button. Yeah, exactly. I also cue, did cue watch it up like on Spotify. Spe- sorry, thank you for reminding me very quickly. I did watch a very depressing film, but an incredible one. You might have seen it. Um, United ninety three. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, that's about nine eleven, isn't it? Yeah, the, but the story it, of the plane. It's the yeah, it's the fourth. Yeah. let's roll. The it's plane. the fourth one that crashed, but didn't hit its target. Mm. I was shocked by how good that film was. Mm, I enjoyed that film a lot. Yeah, I like, mean, in the way that you can enjoy. And it. I didn't know that the director Paul Greengrass is the guy behind Born. He's the, the, he's the original shaky cameraman. Yeah, like, the, yeah. Action. The, w- the way it was shot, just yeah. sock. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, he's Born Supremacy, right? Is he the first one as well? He's the first. He's the first and second. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember Bloody Sunday as well. W- when those mm-hmm. first came out, it he's just seemed so. Um, it seemed too much, and then you quickly get used to it. And now it's like that's his normal way of mm. shooting exciting sequences. Beautiful that level of movement. Beautiful. Camera, yeah. yeah, gripping and mm. depressing. But yeah, great film. Mm. I really like that film. Cool. Okay. Time to move to our community section, I think. Let's do it. Cool. What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? Okay, so for this episode, we got to ask our listeners a bunch of questions as a way of reflecting back on our first year, doing this podcast together. So for this episode, we got to ask our listeners a bunch of questions as a way of reflecting back on our first year, doing this podcast together. And first of all, we asked you who would be your dream guest on that final scene. People said a few names. I'll just uh, bring up a few. You can tell me your favorite or your least favorite. Please tell me people didn't say me. As in, like, themselves. One, I hate it when people do that. It's like, well, I'd be a great guest. I'm like, oh, come on. Ben, well, you can't be rude about the listeners. Yes, I can. <laughs> one person did. Then, I mean, it'd be nice to have, like, one person Was did. it Tim? No, Tim can come on. No, again. no, it was Andre. Whoever, Andre, I don't remember his last name. But Okay, I mean, Andre, come on, give us an angle. Pitch it to me. Okay, oh, cool. He can, <laughs> like, a movie fan Q&A. So, M. Night. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Danny DeVito. Oh, yeah. Christopher Nolan, because why not? Like Oppenheimer Press to And he lives ago. in London, doesn't he? He does? I think so. Oh, okay, he well, yeah. In, yeah. He lives in the UK, at least. Michael Mann, speaking Interesting. of. Interesting. Chris Pine, I don't know where that came oh, from, but God. I'll have him. I get lost in, it. I get lost <laughs> in his eyes. Like, I wouldn't ask any questions. I'd probably just sit there staring at him. No, I would ask one question. I'd be like, come on. Go on. Did Styles really spit on you? Ooh. Just between friends. And was it in a sexual way, or did he just like really not like you or something? That old sexual spit. Yeah, that old sexual it, can spitting. I do think they addressed that, and they were like, no, we're friends now. But yeah, sure, knows. come on. I want the truth. Jeff Goldblum, because I have no, like, I, would, I wouldn't be able to ask a single question. I would find girls so bad. I'd love, to have a conversa- I, I'd love to have a conversation with him about music, because I know he's big into, like, jazz. And he, I think Ooh. he plays in a band. I think he plays, like, piano. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like you just I, well I think you just wind him up and let him go you never get any you never get any questions or answers in but god it'll be interesting uh, David Lynch uh, I think Simon that good. would be yeah good yeah, one for good you good suggestion 
That'd be pretty grim. No idea. It what... might be actually. It might be really surreal <laughs> yeah. yet grim. <laughs> <laughs> he was speaking metaphors. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I mean, the final one that I really liked. Uh, you guys haven't seen Jury Duty yet. No, no. Like, around from jury duty, like a couple of people said, like we should bring the actual. Juror. I keep seeing him on Instagram all He's over the place. Chile. Like you guys need to watch this. Like I know, yeah. I know. It's yeah. a very easy watch. Like, give it a go. Give it. How an many episode. episodes is it? Like eight. Oh, that's a good. one. Yeah, like half half an hour, twenty five okay. minutes. Like it's a very easy one. Okay. Yeah, just for my. For, Oh, no, is that no? That's James Mars. That I was gonna say Michael Mars. <laughs> Which there's no one called Michael Mars, and you're thinking of Michael. No, Manson. there's a, there's a yeah. I can combine the two. Yeah. Ignore me. And I was gonna ask, do you have a favorite dream guest that you oh, would like to bring on? Oh, that's a good question. Do you know who I just thought of? Yeah. The uh, the dad character in Little Miss Sunshine. He's also in as Greg, good as it gets. Greg Kinnear. Yeah. That I'd is lo- so yeah. specific. I know. I don't know why. I'd really like to have a chat with him. Yeah. I think Martin McDonough would be great. Ooh, the guy who wrote and directed them, yes. um, like in Bruges and Banshees and stuff. I think he'd be really interesting to talk to. Does he have anything in the works after? Banshees I don't think so. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's. I feel like he might have said he was going back to do some theatre again or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Okay. But um, I'm trying to think of any. Um, who else would be? Good? I think uh, you know. I think it'd be really interesting. Is the uh, the guy that plays Jason Bourne? Um, uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, I'd love to talk to him about his career and how it all came together mm. and navigating all the different scripts and mm-hmm. everything that he's gone through could be quite cool. Yeah. God, that's... A, I'm, I'm going to have to edit this out because I, I need some yeah, time. Yeah, I have to say it was really good to see Matty and Benny back together on the big screen. Like, mm. big screen, speaking of, and it wasn't big screen. I'd love to talk to Kevin Smith. I think Kevin okay, Smith would be yeah, fun. Yeah, I can see that. I think he seems, he seems like such a nice and also just very interesting person. That's good for like a good like indie kind of... I'm surprised you guys well. haven't said the director of um, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, drive. Well, I think that's just because it's a given. For, okay. I think we have said it a thousand times. Okay. Yeah. I think that's like, this is like an open like public One call. of these days he'll respond to all those handwritten yeah, letters I've exactly. sent him. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Pedro Pascal. Like, oh, I, I would yes. love to have him on the podcast. He'd be so good. Him and Oscar She's Isaac so together. John Favreau. I feel like John Favreau would be really good. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. Plenty of options. And hang on, I need yeah. to throw in a Bond one. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Oh yeah, great suggestion. Or Timothy Dalton. I feel like Timothy mm. Dalton would have a lot of interesting would, things to say. I would just freeze. I wouldn't know what to ask them. They just look so like they're just like so accomplished and talented. Like they're like so removed from reality. As well, like, all the Bonds. Like no Brosnan and Timothy. Like I just feel like I'd ask Brosnan so... about his art. That's all he. he I thought oh. he, you know, weirdly. I thought no, honestly, God. So I follow him on Instagram, and he is like. He's opening like a gallery for a week in LA because he like does he like paints Brosnagram, yeah, basically, does. yeah. I follow I follow the Brosnagram and like all of his posts. <laughs> yeah, he basically just posts about either his art or his. Children. I just imagine him living in the Doubtfire House in San Francisco on that hill, and he still. Lives <laughs> oh no, there dude! Now. He lives on like he, and he li- drives that big mer. He lives on like a private island somewhere. He like oh, really? Yeah, he's like living like the Bahamas or something yeah. like that. Yeah, some, or like the Cayman. He like one of these places. Yeah. He, doesn't, he, has a, he has a very what nice life. What do they do man. all day with themselves? Oh. <laughs> no. I can I can shed some light on that later. If I you. mean, <laughs> I, yeah, you know what I mean. As you like, I just, anyway. I think he's quite a wholesome guy. I think you know. I think so old too. Old plays Scrabble yeah. and like reminisces so. over the Bond era. Mm, yeah. I think so too. 
Okay, so next up we ask you to tell us which final scene from the following movies we should do in our second year. Oh yes, year. well I know what I voted for in the poll. Okay, <laughs> so I gave you three options. Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Prestige, and Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. I know, I know which one Simon would absolutely hate. It's a complete okay. no-brainer. Okay, okay, yeah. Complete no-brainer. So, so actually now I hope the one that I voted for doesn't win so we can watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm actually feeling worried. To no one's surprise, the Prestige came out first with 61 percent of great the movie. votes. God's sake. Lord of the Ring came you out. You like the Prestige? It's Christopher Nolan. You it was good, but like I've seen it now and I've moved on from it. Yeah, but we haven't broken down the final oh. scene. Do you remember the ending? No. Okay. There we go. Maybe this was the final scene. <laughs> yeah. Just like watch maybe this was the end. It tells you everything you need to know about the film. Oh yeah, the, I, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, it's yeah. a clever ending. Yeah, it's, it's the classic ending. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot of the rings came But they did, they did trick me. It did trick me. Mm. Yes. With 32%. Pretty okay, good. Okay, that's pretty good. And Beverly Hills Cop, only a 7%, which is a shame. Mm, but I feel yeah. like, but I feel like, I think the 7% gets it, you know? Mm. <laughs> the people out there get it. I think, I, I, I wonder if you had said Beverly Hills Cop 1, would you have gotten more votes? Oh, that's true. I, I just feel like we've mentioned the second one for some reason more. No, we mentioned we're... the first one. I mean, the clips in the intro is from the first one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's the Serge scene from the it's from the first one. Moving on. What do you want to hear more uh, oh. more of this year? And uh, I gave people three options. Wig acting reviews, hot takes, community stories. Hot takes came out first by far with eighty three percent. I think that this has been the biggest surprise with the with the podcast, like how much people have appreciated our and our listeners, you know, hot takes. Not saying that we haven't received pushback, but, you know, nothing too terrible. Wig acting reviews got 7%. Coming in a hearty second. Wait, it's, not, it's wig work. It's, You've got to say wig work. It's got to rhyme. Oh, okay. Sorry wig, about the, act, the wig isn't acting. The wig is working. Well, mm. I think we've been talking. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. I, we've been talking about it as wig acting. So I just want to be specific. But mm. like 7% is not zero. So I think does we're just going to keep it, on doing it, them does regardless. Does a wig make an actor or does an actor make the wig? Honestly, mm. who knows? Yeah. Well, who, yeah. knows, who knows where the work is truly being done? Exactly. Yeah. And then In the com- makeup chair. Community stories got a 9%, which is interesting. Oh, okay. So something to think about. And finally, we ask you to tell us your favorite moment from the podcast over the past year. We're going to play some of the clips here, but let's go through some of the answers. So someone said, the time my Seldon joke was featured on the podcast and everyone laughed. Uh, Let me play this for everyone. Pregang said, right now when I'm watching Seldon from the Big Bang Theory talking about sterilizing the people who believe in long distance relationships. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. That's so good. That's intense. It's like you don't relate to a character, but you're like, they say one thing and you're like, I get it. Yeah, yeah because you I, can relate to elements of characters. Yeah. You, see, you can see flashes of yourself. Because Sheldon's a people. difficult character to relate to because mm-hmm. he is kind mm-hmm. of socially mm-hmm. awkward, but that statement is But just, you can relate to yeah. certain moments and certain opinions that he may have that are fairly controversial. Um, the second one is... they've. <laughs> I love this one, it's my favorite. The evolution of Halo series hopefulness into despair. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I do you remember? No. 
Simon, you were the one that was mocking Ben for you were Remember bullying. I was hate I was hate watching Halo. Halo. Oh yeah, yeah. And you kept watching more of it. And every I kept week. watching it every week. I for some ridiculous reason I'm still persisting with Halo and it's persisting to be the most boring show I've ever watched in my oh, is entire it getting life. Worse? Why are you watching oh, it? Oh my dude, I'm just skipping through it at this stage. There's I'm no literally obligation. like scrolling. Hate watching's a thing. Hate watching is a thing. What because really you feel am. pot committed because you've yeah, gone so far. Dude, I'm yeah. eight episodes in. There's yeah. three left. So yeah. I have to finish it. I'm just like I just I was like breaking bad. Breaking yeah, Breaking Bad is great, it, though. It didn't keep getting worse, though. It's, Breaking Bad got better. Halo has just gotten consistently more dull. Wow. <laughs> like, zero to no interesting plot. Zero to no interesting performances. It's sure. just getting weirder and weirder, and it's just, yeah, just not really enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so I funny. still stand by that being one of the worst things I've ever watched. So you finished it, right? Yeah, yeah I, finished I finished it with shit. Is there a season two? I fucking hope not. Okay. I'm going to have to watch that as well if there is. <laughs> Don't do this to me, Paramount. That is hilarious. And uh, the third one, uh, me getting a big mention on the Scorsese episode. I think we remember this one. This was a hot takey. This may be controversial, but is Martin Scorsese overrated? I mean, how many great films has he actually done? Uh, great films. Maybe we can name them off of one hand. Casino. Mean Streets, Goodfellas, Raging Bull, what else? The Departed, maybe? Yeah, I know there are others, but not that many. And how many? I mean, he said, listen, really off on one hand, he's he already done. named five there. Look yeah, at his first he, film. he has 30, but he has 30. Um, it w- really wasn't that great. You know, who was that knocking at my door? <laughs> I watched it for the first time, maybe last year. I, I, I was very bored. Um, what else? What else? What else? I'm, I'm looking through That's IMDb here. Oh, I think you're being um, really hard on the poor, poor Get a recap of what he's done because he's got so many films out there. Wait, so that was a favorite moment? That was a favorite moment. Excellent. Yeah, because the, yeah, that episode we got, we said quite a lot of controversial things about Scorsese that people took. What was the, what was the most controversial thing? I mean, I think we probably downplayed him a bit. As a director. And I think people were like, yeah, but he's, he's, actually he's a goat. So <laughs> <laughs> He's not the greatest of all time. He's just an actual old goat of a man. Oops. Um, and then, yeah, we had a few more. But like the ones that stood out to me was the Mrs. Doubtfire discourse, someone said. And I'm going on record to say I can't find it. I'm not sure in which episode we talked about Miss uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. In it's the, just come up quite a length. lot. It's just like, you know, it comes up every couple of weeks. I it's think. the film to which I measure all others. So in my head, it's always there. Yeah, it's the a film b- to end all films. Because mm-hmm. you need a benchmark. The benchmark. Don't you, to that's go to. Tr- yeah. yeah, that's true. And uh, I have just a, I have like ten benchmarks that I use yeah. to judge. I just feel like we need to give people what they're looking for. So we need to do like a Miss Doubtfire special. What are your ten benchmarks? That's an interesting question. Oh, Doubtfire. Nuns on the Nuns run. Nuns on the run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills Cop, surely. Yes. Yeah. Correct. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to guess what your what other ones are. There's definitely it's all some... comedies, though. Yeah, I mean, Meet the Parents. Yeah, Meet the Parents, of course. And then to throw in a serious one, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Classic. Very serious. Yeah, very important piece of cinema. Hmm. Uh, Born Identity. Interesting. I didn't re- I didn't realize you rated Born Identity I so highly. Like that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, Heat. I go back to that. Another one talking about Succession. Brian Cox is in Born Identity as well. I didn't remember yes. that. Yeah, he's in Identity and Succession. He's like the kind of the boss. He kills himself, doesn't he? In um, Born. 
in, in the second yeah, one second, yeah. the, the second one or the third one yeah because he gets outed by Bourne mm. yeah really good I'm trying to think of my other benchmark films yeah. <coughs> that's a pretty good set of benchmarks though it's pretty I'm trying good. to think what else yeah. I've got in my um, in my benchmark system <laughs> I think there is another serious film that you bring quite often but I can't um... I like The Lives of Others is one of my favourites of all time it's a great film because I was com- I watched the imitation game the other day and I was comparing mm. it and it does I mean the imitation game is a nice hangover film and it's sad and it's powerful because of the chemical castration of a gay guy being talked about but then it's quite predictable and like the lives of others is just I think also another level I think it's interesting a different level of cleverness good benchmarks did we have any other takes or did we have any other uh... Uh, and then we had the uh, Edgar Wright Bonanza. I mean, every week is an Edgar Wright love-in, so that, that's I'll the just thi- take that. that. That's the thing, yeah. But we did a whole other episode so you, of from you know of Edgar Wright, so mm. if you haven't listened to it yet, you should go back to Scott, Bil- Scott Pilgrim, please. Mm. Um, Pot Silgram. Yeah. <laughs> mixing up so many words today. What, a, what the fuck is going on? Scott <laughs> Pilgrim. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, so I think we can take a short break and yeah. come back with a final scene. Don't cool. look a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Right, and we're back with our final scene from the one and only The Shawshank Redemption. Andy came to Shawshank Prison in early 1947 for murdering his wife and the fella she was banging. On the outside, he'd been vice president of a large Portland bank. Good work for a man as young as he was. Hey, Red. The highest rated movie on IMDb, right? It's of all time. Mm-hmm. I feel like it needs no introduction. I mean, several Oscar nominations. 9.3 out of 10 on IMDb, which is incredible. I think Stephen King's arguably best film adaptation. I don't know if you think so or if you'd put like I don't know Misery or something else above the Shawshank I think Misery and all are great films but Shawshank Redemption even just as a film in itself yeah let alone being an adaptation of Stephen King is one is of the it off piece for him made. because he's more associated with horror I think so I remember w- mm. watching it the first time and then finding out it's based on a short story that it's based it's a short story right I don't think it's a, like a full novelization based on a short story he wrote I was mm. surprised because I associate him with like Cujo and Misery and um, yeah, just kind of shit like that. The Mist, isn't The Mist? Harry, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I do and probably think other ones that he's written under different names that we mm. don't even know about. Yes, as a Stephen yeah. King one as well, isn't it? Isn't it? Lazy Stories is an incredible film, uh, sorry, film, uh, series that was a, it was a book from Stephen King and it's also like not horror-y, but very social, very psychological and social drama sort of like. And I do think that's where he thrives as well. Like, and I think that's what is right about his horror films. It's not just like the jump scares and like you know, cheap tricks in terms of like mm. tricking the audience. It's more about the deeper fears that we all have. And I think that's what the Shawshank Redemption also explores. Oh yeah, Jesus! Watching that film, I'm getting to the end of it. One of the things I felt was like. God, I really hope I never go to prison. <laughs> well, especially for something you didn't do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh my God, yeah, of I mean, that's course. the ultimate fear, mm. isn't it? So to briefly recap, The Shawshank Redemption is in 1994. God, 
I feel ancient. I was born in 1992. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a 94 baby. I'm as old as the film. Oh, that's so I think the film's older than me. I think it came out at the start of the year and I'm That's October. so cute. Okay, so you have this. Mm-hmm. Okay, birthday. You said the birthday. Uh, drama film directed by Frank Darabont. Also, yeah. what has he done recently? I I mean, the la- I don't know recently. The last thing I was really aware of him was the f- he, he show ran the first season of The Walking Dead. That's what I, like, yeah, that's the last thing is, I heard from him. Which is kind of what I associate him with, which is why that first season was Incredible. amazing. It was yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what happened to him. Mm. I hope he's okay. I hope he's okay and he's doing like great films that I haven't seen. I'm, I'm going to sure catch up on. So the film tells the story of Andy... Du, is it Dufresne? Dufresne, yeah. Dufresne. Wrongly in prison for the murder of his wife and her lover. Over the course of his lengthy imprisonment, Dufresne forges allies within the prison, in particular a man named Red, Morgan Freeman, and Brooks, uh, James Whitmore. His background accounting as a bank employee leads to his leads to his being chosen to assist corrupt warden Norton. Oh my God, this guy. And many of the prison guards with their financial needs, which earns him privileges that enable him to make plans for a life outside Sosan's concrete walls. At the end of the Sosan Redemption, Red is on the bus traveling to, I can't pronounce. Like Tewateneo or something. Or Zewateneo. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's somewhere in Mexico, right? Zihuataneo. Yeah. I think it's Zihuataneo, Mexi- yeah. Okay, Mexico. Where he is it fictional or is it real? I don't That's know, That's a great question. No, no. I mean, it looks in the final scene mm, like looks, a dream. Yeah, it looks lush. In Mexico, where he hopes to reunite with his friend Andy, who has escaped from prison and started a new life in Mexico. In the very final scene, we see Red board a bus to make his way there, where he hopes to reuni- reunite with him. The final shot shows Red walking towards Andy on a sandy beach with the Pacific Ocean stretching out before them. Beautiful final shot. Beautiful final shot. So and the with the birds. And the water and the birds. and Just, yeah, like a supreme like final yeah. scene. Serene. Yeah. yeah. So uh, can we try to walk back a few scenes? Because mm. we go from a film that is very much like taking place in the prison to a few things happening, taking place that lead us to the very final scene. So do you, Ben or Simon, want to well, take a One comment I wanted to make was, yeah. and I know this is this is not to cheapen the film, but no. when I rewatched Home Alone, <laughs> okay. um, in my mind, the, the fun bit, which is like the house of traps, is mm. much more of the film. And when you actually get there, it's actually a s- smaller section towards the back. And with Shawshank, like the whole digging bit and the escape bit in my head is like such a big part of the film, yeah. but actually in time terms, it's not. It's and it's nothing. like mm-hmm. it's right at the end. Yeah, because it's so the, my, well, my it's perception. The journey to get yeah. in there. Yeah, it's exactly. like, and I guess it's the whole point of. So yeah, if we are kind of kind of walk it back a couple of scenes, obviously Andy breaks out, and throughout the film you get Morgan Freeman's voiceover, and I think he says it to him at the start of the film. Oh yeah, you know. Oh he, yeah, I, I know why. I know why Andy laughed when he asked for the rock hammer because it'll take you six hundred years to tunnel out of this place. And then one of the last things he says in his voiceover is, "I th- I told Andy when he came here to take him six hundred years to dig out. It took him only a little under twenty one or something like that." Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, you know, yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 a really t- it's like a one night in twenty one years almost, and the film kind of reflects that quite well. That in I think in another film it probably. Like it'd be like prison break, you know. The whole thing is about how he gets out, but actually, mm. it's not. It's about 
the effects that it has on him and and that it has on red as well because then as we go on then the ne- kind of the next thing that you see is obviously all the people in the prison getting their comeuppance like the warden getting blowing his brains out and clancy brown who's brilliant in the film mm-hmm. uh, who's very good who's like very intimidating and scary as the as the prison guard getting arrested and crying like a baby apparently as as morgan freeman says you then go into this whole thing of him trying to have his parole board which we go back to what, i think it's like three times in the film we have the start where he gets rejected then he gets rejected in the middle and the first two times it's like he says the same thing they ask him he's been rehabilitated he says oh absolutely i'm you know i'm no longer a threat to society <laughs> and then at the end after andy's gone he's lost his best friend he doesn't know what to do to himself he's like i don't fucking care he's su- and it's, it's such an iconic scene it's so yeah. good where he's like he's like i don't fucking care like i'm just here so people like you pencil pushers like you can have a job and snipe your forms and he gets uh, approved for his parole and then he goes out and almost you, you almost kind of feel until he goes to the tree and the field and, and, and finds the money that Andy's left him. You almost feel like, is he going the way of Brooks? Because we've seen this again in the film. You know, Brooks gets out and that Brooks, the Brooks scene is heartbreaking. Like mm-hmm. I, even, even rewatching it and knowing what's going to happen, I mm-hmm. just get so upset watching it because I know what's happening. And, and like Brooks is such a, like a nice character like it like it like it although we don't know what he did no we don't yeah i mean the film does a very good job of sort of glossing over and romancing prison life in a lot of senses yeah like the camaraderie i don't know if it's incredible yeah i don't know if it glosses over it but it it focuses more on like the person's rehabilitation Mm. and uh, and like you know prison trying to rehabilitate these people and that's morgan freeman's thing Mm. when he gets to the end of he's like yeah i am fucking rehabilitated but actually i'm almost too much so Mm. you know if you take me out of this place i don't know what the fuck i'll do anymore Mm -hmm. um and then obviously yeah he goes uh, the night before he leaves he gets the sense that andy's possibly going to kill himself because he tells mike go to the tree in a field and find the stone that whatever it is that looks out of place and he finds a letter telling him he just says, you know, if you remember that place that I told you about, I could always, he, he always says to him, he's like, oh, I could always use a man who could, uh, I could always use a man who can get things. And then you have this lovely scene of him kind of, the nice kind of forlorn voiceover of him saying, I don't even know if I'll make it to Mexico, mm. but I might as well fucking do it. I'm not going to sit around. But he's and, broken his parole as well, which makes me a little bit worried that he's going to like, someone's going to catch up with him. Yeah, but I like, guess, the, get but, him. but as he says, he's like, doesn't he make the point in his voiceover that he's like a parole, like they're not going to care about me. Mm. with everything that's going on in the world they're not going to care about like me skipping my parole they're not going to give a shit that's the thing and on the other side like on the other hand what's the worst case scenario go back to jail that's all he knows and if anything I do think that the one of the reasons that I love the ending is because when you look back I do think the story is mostly about Red rather than Andy or like or it's obviously for both of them but because his of arc, Red's narration as he, well. He, yeah, his, his arc. Yeah, you're right. The narration helps. And also his arc is much more, like, it changed, <sighs> like, it evolves quite a lot. Well, Andy was quite determined. Like, he knew that he wasn't guilty and then he had, like, a plan almost. Like, he used his ability to, like, his accounting skills to get to the end game. He was, and on the other side, on the other hand, you see Red really thinking that he was going to die in jail or wanting to almost die in jail because what's the point of, you know, being a reformed citizen at the age of 75, for example. And then the idea of, like, the element of hope that the film gives you in the end where at first when he's out, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to, like, do that basic job they gave me and just, like... Packs bags at the grocery store. Yeah, literally that. The fact that he takes a leap of faith to be like hey, i'm just gonna go like and i'm just gonna give it a chance 
is a uh, is quite a turn for him, who's much more of a pessimist and a realist throughout the film. And doesn't he say to Andy at one point? He's like, he says, "Hope is a day." He says something like, "Hope is a dangerous thing in these yes. four walls," or something like that. Yeah, and hope, I think he, hope drives a man crazy or something. Yeah, and I think he breaks that in the final yeah. scene. And like, but then because it's before the Andy leaves, I think he says to him, "He's like, oh, you know, you're wrong about that. Like, hope is the only thing that keeps you. To some extent, hope is the only thing that keeps you going." Mm-hmm. And he kind of. Maybe it's because Red's been in there so long that he doesn't he doesn't remember that anymore. Because yeah. uh, you kind of forget the fact that like he he's already been in prison quite a long time. Like Red's been in prison quite a long time when we meet him for the first time since like he's he's, he's a, like a, te- a teenager or yeah. something. Yeah, that's all he's, he's known. institutionalized. Yeah. That's all he's known. Yeah. yeah, in the same way that Brooks was. Mm-hmm. The difference is Brooks kills himself and he actually finds the hope. Because even in Bro- before Brooks dies, he even says he's like, "Oh, I think about just buying a gun and holding up the liquor store so they'll send me back." Yeah. And and Red thinks, I'm not going to become like Brooks. You know, Brooks was here and so was Red, but Red is somewhere else now. Red is kind of very difficult trying to, yeah, survive outside. What did you actually think of the ending of A Fallen Shot? Did you find it too romanticizing or did you find it just no. like perfect? Yeah. I thought it was perfect. Okay. I think, and actually my girlfriend made a brilliant point about it and because she had never seen it but she'd been asking me for ages can we watch it and she was mm. like we're finally fucking watching it thank god because <laughs> she's wanted to watch it for ages and she was like she made a really good point that if that movie's made now probably ends with Red getting out of prison probably ends with Andy breaking out or we don't even he ends with Aunt Red on the bus we don't see the two of them we don't know if he makes it to Mexico the fact that you get this really satisfying resolution that these two people that we've seen who've gone through so much who grew as a friendship from Andy first going to prison and him he, like don't forget Red is the, Red bets on him as being the one who's going to break first like right. Red Red bets like a packet of cigarettes saying this is the, he, this guy this guy he's going to be fucked he's going to like he looks like a prep school boy he is going to break first and he bets on that too them being best friends and when as soon as he gets out of prison his one hope is to go and find Andy again and it's just it's really satisfying it's like it doesn't try and make you think it doesn't try and make you go oh I wonder what happened it just goes this is what happened and it's and it's nice and it's satisfying and after like after what is like a lot like it is a long film you know it's two hours over two hours and it is hard to watch like a lot of it in prison like there is really difficult parts oh. of it you know yeah. sisters. like the sisters Brooks's death Raving. then the young guy's death as well what's his name oh. Tommy's death yeah that's really you know, sad. All the, like the abuses that the guard, like it starts off on the first night in prison where Clancy Brown beats the guy to death. And then the next morning they're like, oh, where is he? And it's like, oh, well, they left him there all night and he's dead. Yeah. Like it, like it, you go straight into that film and you're like, fucking hell, this is going to be hard to watch. So to actually have what feels like a deserved resolution where you have Andy who breaks out because he's not guilty and Red who has been reformed. And, you know, as he says to the parole board, you know, if I could talk that, you know, if I could, whatever he says, something like, if I could, t- if, if I could talk to myself back then, I'd tell him not to do it because you're going to waste so much. You're wasting your life, and it's just, yeah, it's just kind of heartwarming to have that in a film and not have to just be like, oh, I wonder what happened. It is very literal, which I think it uh, speaks to its time as well. I think mm. back in the day, films were back in the day, <laughs> films were much more literal and straightforward, which I like. Like you had a lot of closure, yeah, and it's very, yeah. very neat. If you think yeah. about uh, the sisters, the guy gets uh, beaten Mark. up so bad and then transferred to another prison. Bargs or prison warden sh- gets shoots himself. The uh, the warden's chief dude gets arrested. Gets arrested. Uh, 
he breaks uh, what's he called what's the main character called um Andy Andy breaks out successfully red meets him like everything is the the eyes are dotted and the t's are crossed yeah it's there's it's n- nothing perfect. left open to interpretation yeah mm. very very neat love it i you know going back to your point simon i do like the fact that also in the end but i think it's also demonstrated throughout the film you mentioned that you feel like it glosses over some of yeah the that was the only part that i think if i could improve any part of that film it would be to have a bit more of a bit more balance okay. in in the inmates sort of okay. sections because it just it almost seems like a bloody good laugh and everyone's in the library and all being all supported to each other i know i know the sisters bit is horrendous and stuff and they do balance it a bit with that but then after that it's kind of quite romanticized in a way mm. it almost seems a bit surreal right there isn't the the ending for these two in particular works for me as well like going back to what ben said is they deserve a happy ending because one andy is innocent <laughs> So hello, yeah. and two red did his time. Yeah, like, I, for me, like I, I guess I can see how some might argue, oh, they didn't earn that, or they escaped out of prison while like there are so many people out there that are still like locked, you know, in between like in four walls. But they did their time, literally and figuratively. So yeah, fuck yeah, let them enjoy the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, <laughs> let them enjoy Mexico. Yeah. And I don't know what what's next for them. I think that's what I like about the film, that it's just there and that's enough. It doesn't tell you, oh, 20 years later, like, and they just buy, you know, yeah. buy a porch, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, that's so. another thing. If it had been made these days, there'd be a post-credit scene in which yeah. it's like fucking 20 years later. Dr. Strange. Shows up. Yeah, 20 years later and like a police car is pulling up because they finally found Andy. Mm. <laughs> I think so much of the film is comes from the narration of red and the voice of morgan freeman it's incredible and it just yeah it just because i think that's also why you root for red so much because his voice sounds so kind and warm and it sort of carries the whole thing like a kind of fairy tale and i, I wonder if you replace that narration with somebody else that doesn't have those qualities i wonder if the film would but be i wonder as is, like as the, it is the epitome of morgan freeman having a great voice like that he's known for his voice yeah. that seemed that i feel like that all stems from that film yeah it must have been like would he have would he have known would like would that be what he's known for if he's not that voice in shawshank redemption you know obviously he has an incredible voice anyway but that film as you say hangs so much on his delivery like we used to obviously work with Sam and, and, and use that piece of not just the music, but Morgan Freeman talking over the opera singers. Mm. That bit is just like, it's, great it's, like, it's like poetry and him and him reading it. Like it couldn't be read by anybody else. As you say, if it was read by anyone else, it'd probably feel. Inferior. I mean, Morgan Freeman could just read some random sports results and I'd probably really enjoy it. The ship, the shipping forecast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Valencia one. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think it's so many people, including all of us, like safety net and we're like warm yeah. hug live on screen. Like, again, visual, auditory, like everything. Mm. Yes. Well, that and like, as we were just talking about before we started recording is like, for me, the music in it is incredible. Like the whole yeah. film is scored like perfectly. Mm-hmm. To, like it gives me, like I was saying that, it, it, like for me, a really good score is, I get, I get like chills from it. Mm-hmm. and that opening sequence and, and, and I, I, maybe there's something in the visual as well because when I hear the music then I can visualize the shot of the like the really 
big kind of panning shot over the yard as the buses come in and all the inmates kind of rush towards it and that that kind of that like kind of really like foreboding like violin and cello i just every time i listen to it the hair stands up on my neck and the film just does that consistently yeah maybe that era was like peak hollywood conventional scoring because it is a very yeah. conventional oh, yeah. Sto- oh it's, yeah it's a very conventional score done very very well mm. mm-hmm. and it's it, that's why it's like literally playing us like an instrument in terms of our emotions because yeah. it's like all of the hollywood tropes are there it's just done very tastefully yeah. i think I think you can have like amazing score, like stuff like the Succession score. The Succession score is fantastic, and it like it really fits the show. Mm. I don't know if it adds to the emotion of the show, like kind of keeps the scene, keeps things moving, keeps the scene going. It makes it, it sets the tone. Whereas scores like the Shawshank Redemption one almost act in and of itself mm. to like make you feel something. Like close your eyes and just listen to the opening sequence and the, all the music, and you just yeah, you just can you feel it, and it's yeah, the whole thing is just fantastic i mean there's a reason it's top of imdb and so kind of top of so many people's lists of the best films was, ever was made. shawshank when it was released as I, instant no i don't think so i don't th- i don't think it did well in the cinema i, I don't know so it was a it was a slower burn i think I'm it was a slower sure. burn it was nominated for a lot of oscars but i think like but was commerc- it more than very big at the time uh, well, early 90s like i don't i don't really yeah, know yeah right before seven i guess yeah, yeah he was up yeah he was getting there i uh, think yeah. i think he not just Morgan Freeman, but like, I think, yeah, I think it's commercially, it did, it, like, it wasn't like a massive box office hit. It didn't, it like, it's one of those films that has stood the test of time and has obviously made, I'm sure, loads over its, over its entirety. But I think at the start, it wasn't necessarily like a massive commercial hit that like everybody was going, going to see the Shawshank Redemption. But then it, it does have a couple of Oscar nominations, doesn't it? I think seven, seven. Yeah. Did it win any? Um, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember. But yeah. yeah. But it, but it is interesting because like the fact that it's number one on IMDb. I, I wonder mm. whether there's like a hidden gem story somewhere that kind of like, almost explains why it is because it is. But also like what there's so hidden gem. As in like I feel like IMDb is not that old as a website. It, it was probably like it probably started ten fifteen years off yeah, IMDb, so like maybe? after uh, after the film came out but somehow it's not just the most like the highest rated it's probably the most popular one as well mm. so something happened in the I- history of the internet i think that i f- i agree with you ben i think the, the oh, film, you mean like it's popular with internet people I th- and it's biased slightly. i think the film picked up a lot by and through imdb oh i mm. see so it's sort of self-promoting through I, yeah and not like it doesn't deserve its rating but you know 9.3 on imdb like when you're the number one film it's a lot very high i think it's just i think it's just perfect. like outside of <laughs> yeah no it is like it is pretty much perfect and, and it's I, hard and to it's, make a film that pleases all the people all the time and yeah. probably gets and quite it, close yeah. to tapping yeah. into some sort yeah. of and universal. i think it's because it just it, it is it is a it's a like the screenplay is perfect like you could film it in a different way and maybe you could change some of the characters but like that that story is just a kind of I think like you could mess you, it up really easily. Like when you guys so. were running through the plot earlier, I was thinking, God, if this was a different set of actors, it could have just been blown it so easily. It could have been. It could, it have, could been. have been really cheesy and, and yeah. um, predictable and like Maybe. too, too, um, too like all the I's dotted, all the T's crossed, like mm. too I, neat. I do think the direction is superb. Like yeah. it doesn't yeah. leave you like, yeah, th- there isn't like a filler scene in that film. Like it doesn't feel like, no. yeah, it's just very purposeful filmmaking. Yeah. Going back to what one of you said earlier, I don't remember. 
in terms of the film's cultural impact. When it comes to the final scene in particular, can you think of any films that have potentially been influenced by that sort of ending or have seen like because what like a paradise style ending yeah or like getting inspired by the whole by the actual plot of social redemption how you can end up in a beach like you meet in paradise yeah yeah because i'm wondering that there must be some sort of i don't know because i i I think that's a i think that's a that's something that older films did as well. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a, that what not so much now, because there is a tendency now to leave kind of audiences hanging and, and leave more questions. I think that was something that was used in films a lot more. The kind of like f- for uh, not wanting to use Wayne's world as the example, but like, let's do the happy ending, you know, where it's like, mm. let's right. do the sad ending. Let's do the Scooby-Doo ending. Let's do the happy ending. Like it is a, it is a happy ending. I think it just, of all films, it's the one that does it the best. Mm. We should categorize all the endings over the years and look at the trends for like happy endings, and then they kind of peak, and then it goes to like hanging endings, yeah. and then kind of all the different types. Because there is the like, I mean, spaghetti westerns always. It's right that you know the the good guy riding off into the sunset, and that kind of is what Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. is. It's just perfect that Red gets to Mexico. You know, it's it's a brilliant that they're reunited, and there's it kind of leaves it open for hope and all these different possibilities that there could be yeah uh i was reading up on that um because you remember the birds that fly over them in the final shot as well and there's been like so much unnecessary interpretation around the birds i'm not gonna go into that <laughs> oh discourse God, is, is this like scorsese cgi rat <laughs> it's more simple than that as in like oh the birds signify freedom you know and like it's fine of course it does yeah of course like you have a w- bunch of white birds flying over them because they're also free you know like cycle of life yeah but bullshit. also they're at the beach the seagulls everywhere <laughs> yeah yeah but i feel like it's more intentional from the director to just be like look a bunch of you know, I, I think that it was about making that scene as beautifully serene and the opposite to the prison as it could be so i i yeah. think i think it's more abstract than that as opposed to like yeah we just want a couple of free birds to show liberation. i just love the idea of they're filming the scene okay an action <laughs> release the birds <laughs> <laughs> I would and if you look in the bottom that. corner there's a rat scuttling <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's on top of the boat and that means there's a shawshank 2 coming yeah. out in three years time that's so funny um However, it, I, I read that the final scene of the Truman Show and the perks of being a wallflower both have a very similar, you know, image, visual image, which apparently has been attributed to as a like inspo or like tribute to Shawshank, which again goes back to the themes of freedom and liberation but yeah well Truman's him kind of it final scenes him walking through the door isn't it that yeah but you have a, there, yeah. again you have like some birds if you remember like mm. flying up yeah it's more like I think it's one of those things that no one notices but the directors like and they just kind of give a wink at each other as in like hey tribute to you sort of thing I don't mm. think it's much more serious than that um anything else any closing remarks for the ending or for the film I'm glad I got to rewatch it. It's it's not a film that I want to rewatch too often because it'll spoil mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, but it's a good hangover film because it's it. <laughs> think I think so? I think it's a film of reassurance. Like that's mm. what the voice of Morgan Freeman brings, and it's what the story of Andy brings. It's like mm. you can overcome these types of things yeah. in your life. <laughs> yeah, and then you can like find something in your life and attribute it to the uh, 
you know, being him like managing to have his mind intact for 20 years yeah. and then have his plan. Yeah. And I just think in a world of Christopher Nolan films where everything needs to be left on a cliffhanger to actually have a resolution to this kind of like marathon of a story, like 20, a film that's set over 20 years. Like, I think it's easy to kind of forget that in a two hour film that the whole thing takes place over 20 years. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just such a perfect way to end. I love such that. Such a great story. Yeah. And I think I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go back to the 90s to watch a bunch of Morgan Freeman films because I realized how much I missed him. Like, I yeah. hadn't seen a film with him in a very long time, so... What's the second best Morgan Freeman film, then? Seven. Bruce Almighty. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, of course, that's not true. <laughs> I would say Seven, but it's too grim. I can't yeah, watch Seven. I, I, I wouldn't I be excited it. about rewatching Seven. I mean, it's cool, but... <laughs> yeah. Why? You mean you don't want to see Gwyneth Paltrow's head in a box? Yeah, you don't see like, Gwyneth Paltrow's head. As in, like, okay, no, no, you don't see, you don't see it. You imagine it. Yeah, kind of. What's your favorite Tim Robbins film? I mean, my, I could only uh, watching the film. No, Ellie Jacob. asked me. Ellie asked me what else is Tim Robbins in, and the only thing I could think of was well, he's in that Jacob's he's, Ladder. He's That's... in the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds movie. What? That's the only thing I could. <laughs> generally, the only thing I could remember him for. Jacob's but, uh, Ladder is an incredible film around the time to- around the time of the, so- the Mystic. River. That's the other. No, I, I was going to say yeah. I never really got that film. Really, no, I thought Mr. I, I like to revisit that. Won an Oscar, Mr. River, didn't it? Didn't it win? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, very highly it's regarded. It's 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 a it's 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 quite a hard watch though. I find it's like it's quite a long, but yeah. it's great. Like it's him and Sean yeah. Penn, and it's really good performances yeah. in it. No, what yeah. Jacob's Ladder? I think that's the okay. one film that just incredible, and yeah. I think you love it. Um, and also then watch him as a crazy man in a basement in Tom Cruise's War of the World. I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, he's back. I'm watching Silo right now on Apple oh, TV+. Plus, and he? he's inside. Oh. Yeah, and he's inside. Yeah, it's just like a different He's person. back with a bang. Back with a bang. He's oh, broken out of that shit pipe and he's back. <laughs> shit, sorry. And I also just read that he's in Top Gun and he's Lieutenant Samuel Merlin. Oh, I wouldn't remember. In, the, Top Gun, in the original the Top Gun. Or? What? 1986. Really? Maybe, yeah. he, maybe he has a scene. Somewhere is yeah. So, oh my god, that's I saw crazy. It, we, we saw it recently. We saw it last year. I don't remember them all. Okay. Was what last year? I mean, I saw the original one last year. Oh right, he plays Merlin. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I didn't realize that. Must be a all sort right. of bit part. Or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool though. That's so funny. Nice. Okay, we gave people a bunch of recommendations, a bunch yeah. of films. Oh, can't wait for a '90s marathon. Okay, I think we saw the ending again. Thank you both for you know these past year it's been really great doing this with you um to everyone listening if you're still listening a massive thank you for the support for your contribution for your hot takes for your perspectives uh you kept this podcast going i know we asked for the support at the end of the episode but if there is one episode we'd love for you to share and what would be a great introduction to someone new this is the one so please go share the anniversary episode with the world um after all the next episode is gonna cause some stir because we're gonna be back with christopher nolan's the prestige finally exactly what the order doctor <laughs> not the order what the order doctor <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone has cursed us today. Something's going. Something's not. Oh, going. It's Scorsese! Right. I shouldn't have called it's him an old goat. <laughs> Why, <His> Martin? <laughs> Cinema. Yeah. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. I, I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning. Morning. Good morning. <laughs>
Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.